I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. And we're back, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Resource, Real Talk About Louisville Real Estate. I'm your host, Jay Pitts. I am the broker owner of REMAX Premier Properties, leader of JT Pitts & Associates. And, you know, this is a podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about real estate. But uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge the fact that real estate is just a small, small, small part of what's going on in the world. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. I am not afraid to to delve into financial topics and talking about the economy a bit above my pay grade as far as, you know, being a real estate broker is concerned, but I do try to fancy myself as a person that follows the world, follows the news, doesn't react emotionally, and, you know, speaks on the impact that a lot of the world's developments have on our little sector of the economy. Um, But before we get any deeper into that, I will say to you that we appreciate genuinely all the support you've given us. Uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about how you can support us. Uh, If you like the content that you get here on Resource, and there's going to be continually more of it, um, you know, engage with us, interact with us, and you can do so in a variety of ways. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the resource podcast. That is our page for the podcast. You'll find links to full episodes over on YouTube. You'll find links to uh, snippets. You'll find video clips of the podcast. If you're not sure if the show is for you, you can find you know, bite-sized samples there. You can follow us on social pretty much anywhere. You can find us on Instagram. That is our our preferred outlet of content. We have, um, you know, a fair following, a pretty decent size following there. We'd appreciate you following us on Instagram at Realtor, where you can find snippets of the show, those highlight episodes on reels. You're going to find posts in my feed uh, relating to real estate a little bit more uh, consumer facing content. You're going to find some personal stuff about me because in fact, as a real estate agent and broker, my life is my business and my business is my life. There is very little in between. It's all about balance. It's all about, uh, context. It's all about priorities, but you know, I share a little bit of everything there. You can find me on Twitter at JTPA Louisville. If you're not afraid, um, to engage with me on social topics, you will find most of my opinions that I'm willing to share there. You can find me on TikTok at J underscore Pitts. You're going to find similar content to what you find over on Instagram Reels. Uh, We might mix it up with a little something funny here and there, but we'd love to have your support on those platforms. You can find full episodes of the podcast housed and live, if you will, on Wednesdays when we go live in the 30-minute version of the podcast, youtube.com slash J Pitts Realtor. Tons of of other content there relating to our real estate business, recruiting, you know, consumer facing, agent facing sorts of content. You're going to find it all, all there. Uh, don't forget our about our sister pieces of content, JTP University, 
five minute bite sized episodes. We've put that on hiatus for just a little bit and focusing on the quick hits. Those are 30 second episodes of the podcast that you can get like really specific information to put to use in your business today. We're putting out two a week. I filmed probably 20 episodes of JTPU quick hits a couple of weeks ago, and we have started to trickle out, you know, I don't know, four to five episodes of JTPU quick hits. You'll see that uh, in in a number of places, but you can find it on Reels and TikTok as well. All right. Uh, streaming platforms. You can find us anywhere where podcasts stream. Uh, specifically, we'd appreciate your support on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow, like, review, uh, give us all the love. It tells the algorithm gods that people should see our podcast, that they should engage with it. Um, as you know, if if you're if you're a if you're a consumer, we love you being a fly on our wall, listening in on our conversations as agents. But remember, this is an agent facing show. I'm here to coach you as a real estate agent via this forum. If if that's not what you're wanting, if that's not what you're here for, then maybe a different show is for you. There's plenty of other podcasts out there. We aim to be the agents podcast. That's what we're here for. Resource, real talk about Louisville real estate. We do come at it from a Louisville perspective, but we will weigh in on national themes. So with that, uh, I will set aside my stack of invoices that need to be paid and we'll get down to business. So I said a minute ago that I'm not afraid to venture into national topics. I've never been uh, scared to share my my opinions as it pertains to the real estate market. Uh, So today is going to be a bit stream of consciousness. I really don't know entirely where this is going to go. Uh, I know that there's some things that I'd like to get off my chest, some opinions, some analysis uh, that I am consistently seeing, uh, some some information, some directions, some changes, um, some things that I'm seeing quite a bit in the world of real estate. And um, I'm going to set the tone in a, you know, by saying I just got back from Las Vegas. I spent a week with 20 of my best agents getting them recognized for the banner 2021 that they had. As a reminder, this company with 80-ish agents at the end of the year closed over 1,600 transactions, closer to 1,700 actually, for $405 million in real estate. Just under half of those agents did over 700 for $170 million worth of sales in real estate. We were the number one team in the region for REMAX. Uh, was just shared with me today that we would have been the number one team by far and if we were affiliated with Kelly, Keller Williams for their region. I anxiously await the Real Trends report. We were number 29 in the country with REMAX. We had in this office nine of the top 25 teams in the region for REMAX. And it was just a great year, right? So we go out to celebrate. We go out to mastermind. We go out to recognize our agents for what they've accomplished. But each and every one of these amazing agents and team leaders uh, in their own right, they look to me. They look to me for advice. They look to me to prognosticate what's ahead. I've had a number of them talk to me about their concerns with respect to inflation, their current concerns with respect to, you know, you know, conflict in Europe, you know, gas shortages, 
uh, inventory shortage in housing? Where is demand going? What is lumber prices doing? What are commodity prices doing? Um, and, and most of the time, I will tell them that we've been in a new normal for quite some time. A near unpredictable situation. Consumer sentiment drives so much. And, you know, despite what you may be hearing about job growth, uh, about the health of the economy in a positive way, people aren't confident. People are buying not because they're confident. People are buying because they're afraid. They're trying to take advantage of rates while they're low. They're trying to ensure that they don't get stuck upgrading in an expensive market with high rates. Demand has remained very, very strong. A little bit more with respect to demand. I'm going to jump over to my Twitter feed here and share with you uh, a couple of really, really interesting tidbits that I took away from the R4 Real Estate Convention for Remax National Convention out in Las Vegas. Um, I talk a lot on this podcast about generations, a sociological generation. And then this is a construct, I will tell you, that exists because of similarity, because of the, the, the consumer's choice. So, so baby boomers choose to fit the criteria that has been set forth by sociologists of what it means to be a baby boomer. You know, all they really share is proximity and age. Beyond that, they choose to identify, to live their lives with a set of values that is similar to one another. A lot of that is created and is or is is more likely based on the era that they were grown up on and societal norms and things like that. But baby boomers, which is my parents' generation, they decide to be a certain way. There's nothing holding them in that box. You know, you hear things like baby boomers, you know, value this or don't value that or you know, they were the son of the greatest generation or the goldens or what what have you. Um, you know, you hear about Vietnam and flower children and, you know, the, the children of the seventies and sixties and, you know, lots of societal changes that happened that mark them, right? You hear a lot about the men, not a lot about generation Gen X, unfortunately, we should probably call them the forgotten generation, but not a lot about Gen X, but there is, I'm as an older millennial that borders on Gen X, I will tell you that there are certain uh, predispositions for them as well. There's just they're just much more much smaller in age, or, or in in numbers, I should say. Then you hear a lot about millennials, much maligned, frankly, and I think probably the failings of the baby boomer generation is what creates the criticism of the millennial generation. Right? You aren't what your parents wanted you to be. You don't value the things that they valued that they assumed you would and tried to parent you to value. So there's disappointment there. Um, if, you, if you really want to know my opinion, I will tell you the most disappointing generation, I think, in the history of our country is the baby boomer generation. I love my parents, and they were amazing for me. Um, and, and I don't assign this to them, or, and, and, and I don't paint with a broad brush. Uh, 
a number of amazing, amazing individuals, you know, that come from that generation that value, you know, wholesome things that drive us as a people forward. But, um, I think, I think there's a lot of failure there, a lot wrong with what we have to deal with today was presided over by this generation. And, you know, it, it's, it's really gone largely unspoken, but neither here nor there. The millennial generation is a force, a force to be reckoned with right now. So if the baby boomer generation, which it's, you know, these numbers are general, but let's just say is 60 million people, it's give or take. That was a societal force to be reckoned with. When they came of age, formed family units, reached peak earning years and with housing, despite me saying it's our small part, our sector and it's small part of the total economy, some would say that 25 plus percent of GDP is in residential housing. I would tend to agree with that. We touch everything from a pest inspector, you know, garbage collector, you know, to a realtor, to the CEO of a publicly traded real estate company. 25% of nationwide GDP is in housing. So it's a force, right? The American dream is alive and well in the United States. And the millennial generation in peak family formations years entering peak earning decades is driving the market right now. It's it's I, I don't want to cite a number because I I don't want to be disingenuous, but it, it is probably north of fifty percent of all transactions are being conducted by the millennial generation right now, and that's supported by the fact that we continue to trend downward in the number of years we spend at a home. Um, GDP percentage is trending upward because our generation is perfectly happy to remake a home. The, way, the exact way they want it and spend the money to do it. So that brings in tradesmen and remodelers and things like that that expands the GDP attached to housing. So it's a force to be reckoned with. And let's say if, if the baby boomer generation is 60 million, I've seen estimates as high as 75 million in the millennial generation. So an even greater force. Now, the millennial generation is over. Registration, membership office is closed. We've already pivoted to Gen Z. And probably, interestingly enough, Gen Z is estimated to be as large as 85 million. You may be wondering how that's possible when we've had below expected population growth or even population decline over the last two to three years in our in our country. Well, it's because uh, the criteria for a generation is open until it, someone decides to close it. And it's a collective of individuals and I, it's a way above my pay grade. But the point is, you know, the, the oldest Gen Z is in the neighborhood of 20, you know, 18 to 20 years old. I think they're, they're not of age yet, but they're slightly below. So we haven't had declining population for 18 years, okay? Maybe we will at some point, 
Maybe that, that trend reverses. Maybe it doesn't. The point is, is at current expectations, we, we should have somewhere in the neighborhood of 85 million Gen Z, which means demand, the demand side of the equation when it comes to housing isn't going anywhere. Now, maybe investors, um, you know, take a larger percentage of the demand. Owner occupants take a smaller percentage of the demand. But as we've learned in living through COVID, okay, a, a really small denominator is overwhelmed by a really large numerator, if that makes sense. The more people you have in a generation, even if a smaller percentage decide to be homeowners, you still have more net homeowners at the end of the day. So with that said, our supply problem that we have, we're, some estimates are that we're short 2 million dwellings in the United States. Well, just to keep pace with family formations, we need 2 million homes to be created each year. That doesn't account for the number of homes that cease to be useful, exit their useful life, need to be demolished and rebuilt. And, you know, being the fact that we're 100 years roughly from the, the close of the you know, Great Depression and the building boom that came behind it, there's a lot of 100-year-old dwellings out there that don't need to be lived in anymore. So that probably takes that 2 million break-even construction threshold and makes it more like 3 million. There are some signs also that the youngest millennials and the oldest Gen Z are really into creating families even if they get married a little later which could take that two to three million and make it four to five million new dwellings. So, so the end of our inventory problem is nowhere in sight. Coupled with the fact that our demand may grow even further, the interest for investing and owning multiple homes is another thing. This could get worse before it gets better is basically what I'm trying to tell you. So as a real estate agent that advises your client on how, when, and why, and what to buy in the world of residential real estate, don't you think you ought to understand a few of these things? I'll even pivot for a moment. I talked about investors a second ago. In a world of inflation, 40-year highs, 7.5% published, probably more like 12 to 13%. Household commodities up 25%. Gasoline up 70%. I paid $4.25 yesterday, and it's not the highest in the country and not by far. Some estimates as high as $10 a gallon gasoline by, by Thanksgiving with the recent decision to blockade the importing of Russian oil, which it's not a political statement on my part. Frankly, I don't believe in dictators and I don't believe in tyrants, but I also don't think we should probably be buying gasoline from them when it's, our when it's their chief export. I think maybe some preparations for this should have been done prior. But once again, that's above my pay grade. I play the cards that I'm dealt. I don't get to deal all the cards. I hope that makes sense. But if you're a real estate investor looking at an environment of household products increasing 25%, gasoline increasing 
real estate prices projected up 13% and not going to hit expectations. The curtailing of the Fed's rate hikes as a result of mid of your Eastern European conflict. Rates are going to climb, but they're taking a pause to say, is this really the right time? I sat here on this microphone once upon a time, maybe a year or so ago, and told you it was still the right environment to buy rental real estate. Now, I don't suggest you go buy 10 flips and start renovating right now to have them online at some point in the next year and a half. But rental real estate with break-even or slightly positive or exciting positive cash flow in this climate is really enticing regardless of price. Now, keep working your day job. Keep putting down 20 to 25%. Keep financing at 30-year fixed rates in the low fours. Keep managing them effectively. Keep renovating them cost-effectively. Don't blow the budget and don't leverage every penny you own to buy 10 rentals right now when you've never owned a piece of rental property in, in your entire life. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting if you're, the, if, you're the, if you're the person sitting on the sidelines who hasn't bought rentals since 2012 because they keep getting more expensive, it's time for you to get back in the game. Because your last 10 years of wait have only lost you 10 years of, of price appreciation, accumulation, and wealth building. What's the game, guys? If I told you that I had this magical new investment, okay, where you can only have to pay 25% of the price up front, this product, give me 25% of the price up front, I'll give you possession of the product, then someone else will pay the cost of upkeep, will pay the cost of your debt service in the way of your mortgage payments to me for the the other 75%. And oh, by the way, anything you pay me, despite them paying you, is tax deductible. Okay, 100%. And also, I'll, take you, I'll tell you that it's an asset that you can depreciate on a 24 and a half year straight line depreciation schedule, making you a negative profit on paper while actualizing a substantial actual profit. Oh, and by the way, it's going to go up at 5 to 12% annually, and you'll be able to sell it for substantially more money after having to reach into your pocket next to zero 20 to 25 years from now. Would you take one or would you take 100? Because that's what real estate is. It's a hard asset with a finite supply. Now, whatever you believe spiritually, whoever made this world, they made it a certain size and it's not getting any bigger. Now, maybe the oceans are getting bigger, maybe they're getting smaller, creating more landmass to sell or less landmass to sell. But the truth is, anything with a finite supply and utility we can all agree there's utility in real estate. With anything with a finite supply and utility over time in a civilized society will go up in value. I hope you don't own Bitcoin if you don't own real estate. 
I sincerely hope you don't own any other cryptocurrency if you don't own real estate. Now, maybe you don't believe in government and fiat currency and you know, the right of another human being to tell you what you can and can't do with the money you earn. The truth is, is you wouldn't earn any money without civilized society. You'd be out, you know, trading goods, you know, and services for nourishment and shelter. But so you do owe something to civilized government, even if it is crooked and corrupt. But your dollars should be buying real estate. If there are enough left over at the end of the month, they should be buying, they should be owning real estate. First, your primary residence and investments thereafter. There is nothing that is less regulated, that is more accessible despite low, low supply, that is tax advantaged, that is a hard asset that will go up in value. More millionaires have been made in this world through real estate than any other vehicle. If I said nothing else today, that's what I should say to you. And as a real estate agent who does not have to report the activities in buying and selling real estate to the Securities and Exchange Commission, like stockbrokers do, who doesn't have to justify your ends or your means, your decision-making, why you thought that house would go up, it is literally legalized insider trading. Do you know that if a stockbroker buys a piece of buys a share of stock and it goes up 20% in the following year, they have to be able to justify their decision-making for buying that. They don't look smart. They look crooked. Does anyone talk to real estate agents when that happens? You're a professional in this industry. You know it better than anyone. Shouldn't you be the most likely to invest in residential real estate? Yet, too many real estate agents don't even own the home they live in and certainly don't own investments. Guys, I bought real estate. I bought a home to live in at 21 years old, being six months into a commission-only position and not really made any money to begin with. I had to beg, borrow, and steal, not literally but figuratively, to get a bank to give me a mortgage. I had to put a packet together this thick. I hope you're watching on camera. This thick. 100 pages in a proposal, typed and bound, and go see my with my best suit and a haircut and a clean-shaven face to sit in front of a banker in a big desk who looked down his nose through his bifocals at me and convince him to give me a loan. That I was a good credit risk, despite having no credit and no money. I made $100,000 on that house in five years. And I paid the mortgage on that one because I lived in it. I bought my first flip house not very much long after that. I was really debt averse. Funny story. I made $30,000. I paid cash for a car and cash for an engagement ring. Real estate investing is beautiful. I didn't have money for taxes because I was an idiot. Good thing I'd made some money doing some other things and I just paid a little extra toward, from that toward my taxes. You learn lessons as you go forward. I don't have all the answers, but let me tell you something. Owning real estate should be a part of every real estate agent's day-to-day -day activities. I mean, let's think about this for a moment. You're one of two agents. 
you're an agent that sells investments or you're an agent that's scared to learn about investing. But let's say you're the former, not the latter. And if you're the former, then you basically scout real estate investments for yourself. I always say buy the best, sell the rest. The highest bar that an investment has to clear is mine because I have access to all the deals. So I evaluate it for myself and it doesn't quite measure up to my standards, then I sell it to my best client who is going to appreciate me immeasurably for cluing them into an investment that even was just not quite as good for me. And when they ask me what I do, do, am I embarrassed to say that I sell the rest and buy the best? No, I own it. I'm sorry, man. I appreciate you. You're a great client, but I like me better. I love you, but I love me more. But I tell you what, if you're interesting, if you're interested and willing, and you don't make me look bad, then I'll give you first crack at all the ones I don't buy. And they will appreciate you so much that they'll refer you to all of their friends. As long as you don't give them, give their deals to somebody else. And you just build out your bench, your roster. And then you go back and scout some more deals. The good thing about investors, wish I had an audience at this moment because I'd ask a question. I'll, I'll ask and answer my own question. The good thing about investors is that they have what? Patrick, want to take a crack? They have money. First shot. You've been listening to me talk long enough. Good thing about investors is they have money. People that have money buy what kind of houses, Patrick? Inexpensive or expensive? Well, as investments, what are that? What kind of houses they buy to live in? Expensive houses. <laughs> I would rather sell expensive houses than than inexpensive houses. So when you find an investor that's got money and you sell them investments and you make money, guess what? You get the opportunity. You know. You know what? Another thing that that wealthy people have, they have friends. And their friends are usually pretty successful. And someone in that group of friends is probably a pretty successful real estate agent. And, you know, they're buying that half a million to million dollar home. They have someone to call. But that agent may not be interested in helping them invest. Couldn't tell you how many times I've made people money on inexpensive homes and get to sell their primary residence that is an expensive one for them instead of their very successful, very accomplished friend who sells nothing but expensive homes. It's kind of interesting how that works. So let me bring it home for you. Like I said before, there's two types of agents. There's agents that work with investors, and there's agents that are scared to work with investors. And the number one investor on any real estate agent's roster should be themselves. The best deals never leave your desk. I say all the time that the first year in real estate is the most important in anyone's career because you have a finite, you don't know how much it is yet, but you have a finite time to be in this business. And our business is cyclical. 
buyers come in, become sellers and buyers five to seven years down the road, become five to seven year clients again on both sides. You only have so much time for those cycles to happen. It's the same way with investing. If you don't start now, regardless of where prices are. Now, are there market conditions that I wouldn't invest in? Yes, but we haven't found them yet. I've been licensed since 2004. There is not a single year from the 2004, 5, 6, 7 run up to the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 crash to the 12, 13, 14 rebound, 15, 16, 17 like running, you know, like a runaway freight train to 19 crescendo, 20 freaking, you know, uh, V shaped, you know, COVID you know, crash and bounce to 21, like running on a treadmill at 11 miles an hour into 2022 with the least amount of inventory I've literally ever seen in real estate. There has never been a single moment in all of that time. What is that? 18 years. A child could have been born the day I got into real estate for myself and they would be voting age today. And in all that child's life, there has never been a moment where buying investment property was not a good idea. And I don't know that we'll ever see it again because you've got a generation of 75 million people in peak family formation years followed immediately by two decades of peak earnings followed immediately by a even larger generation that will likely value some of the similar things. And we are losing 3 million homes a year every year toward our supply and maybe more. Owning real estate may end up being too expensive for some people, but it's not right now. And I guarantee you the ones that own it when that day comes will be doing well for themselves. Don't get priced out. Start now. The only better day to start than today was yesterday. That's all I got for you this week, folks. Once again... Find us anywhere you stream a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, appreciate a follow, a like, a review, anything you can do for us to get our content out in front of more people, I would genuinely appreciate it. Find us on the socials, facebook.com slash the resource podcast, Twitter at JTPA Louisville, our preferred method of follow, of followership, follower at JPitts Realtor on Instagram. Give me a follow there. One of my goals is to get to 10,000 this year. I would love it. We're at about 6,900. Picked up a few hundred last week from the stage out at Remax R4. Would love to see you over there on Instagram. A little bit of personal in the feed, a little bit of consumer uh, facing content in the feed. Feel free to rip off and duplicate if you're a real estate agent. A lot of agent training stuff in the reels. Uh, would love to have you follow us over there. Similar content over on TikTok at J underscore Pitts. Another goal is 1,000 YouTube subscribers. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash J Pitts Realtor. Would love to have you check out our stuff over there. I don't know how many videos. Patrick, do we have any idea how many videos are on YouTube? 
450 videos on YouTube. Uh, the goal for this year is 200 videos for myself, so we're going to be building that out pretty substantially going forward. Again, genuinely appreciate all of your support in the past. Um, it helped me go collect this on stage, which is the highest award that Remax offers, the Pinnacle Award. Big shout out to my team for all their hard work there. Once again, I am your host, broker owner at Remax Premier Properties, leader of JT Pitts and Associates. This has been Resource Real Talk about Louisville real estate. I am Jay Pitts. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.